Well, isn't it good? Lots of exciting things happening. Great time to be able to come together and uh, worship God. And it's, uh, it's a great time to be alive. Amen? Good. Amen. I want to talk, just really following on from the worship this morning too, is the topic is about your toil is not in vain. And even looking at so many things we've been talking about, like um, the Spring Festival last week and like what Merrily shared about with filling the shoeboxes, it takes, everything takes good leadership, but it also takes very willing help and participation. And from God's perspective, nothing's too small. Nothing what, what the world may consider minor, God considers very different. And, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. And basically it's about faithfulness. <clears throat> and that faithfulness is achieved by staying on the course over an extended period of time, which really is our whole life, uh, despite all the difficulties and hardships encountered along the way. So I just want to pick up uh, initially one verse out of 1 Corinthians 15, which is the Apostle Paul sharing. And you'll, most of you will know the verse very well, but it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain, in the Lord. Now, it's, it's probably a good way to think of you've all seen a statue. There's plenty of them, some good, some bad, some ugly, whatever. But one thing about a statue, a statue's immovable. If it's set solidly on its foundation, and there's the key, it won't move. And basically, Paul is saying to us, be steadfast and be immovable. And so he's calling us to be firm and strong and confident in our faith and our walk with God. But he's calling us to embrace the truth that God's already deposited in us and is constantly depositing in us. And we need to make a resolve. And I don't care if you're very young. I don't care if you've only been a Christian for a day or whether you've been serving God faithfully for 50 years, we need to make a resolve and that we are not going to be taken off course by the difficulties, the temptations, and the cares of life. And what's behind the resolve? The behind the resolve is believing God's promise that he will make everything work together for good to those who love him. It's anchoring that problem, whatever we go through in life. One thing in the Western world I believe that we, and let's say we as leaders, have done very poorly. We have not prepared our people properly for hard times. We've called and called on God's blessing and what that is, and rightly so. But we've not prepared people to stand on the rock and build on the rock, as Jesus says, not on the sand, and face the shaking and remain steadfast and immovable because we know that God promises that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Everything we experience in life, if we face it redemptively in Christ, even if it's dumb things we've done, everything we experience in life can be caused by God to come back to us in a way that benefits us 
and the way that establishes us in our relationship with him if we remain in Christ. And God guarantees that. So really what I'm talking about is if we're firmly planted in the faith, there is no need for us to allow the power of sin or our own shortcomings to take us away from the faith of the gospel or to pull us out of the game. I, we've got to be a bit careful with this, but uh, I love rugby, as you all know, and we won our 15th game in a row last night. And let's hope that pride doesn't fall in, but we should be encouraged. We, we, those players work hard and everything. But here's what's happened so far. None of the teams we've played have been able to pull the All Blacks off their game plan. They've all tried different ways. South Africa, Australia, back we go. They've all come up with a strategy that is intended to pull the All Blacks off their game plan. And we have an enemy and he is alive and he's real and he is cunning and he's been around for a lot longer than you and I have. And his main goal is to pull us out of our game plan. The game plan that God has set for us in our lives. The game plan that God has set for Lane Park Church. He's working to pull us out of his game plan. And our goal is to lock into the foundation strong enough that we are steadfast and immovable. And even in times of difficulty and discouragement and temptation and everything, we refuse to be pulled off our game plan because we hold on to scriptures and her experiences in the Holy Spirit that constantly reassure us that God will cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. See, this is to stay here in this place, is to be engaged in doing the will of God constantly and always looking to promote his glory and advancing his kingdom. And the phrase means not just to be mediocre, but to be engaged diligently and laboriously in order to excel this. And when we talk about the work of the Lord, please understand some things. It's not just something preachers and teachers and missionaries and all these so-called people do. It's something everybody who loves Jesus does. Now let's get real here from God's perspective. If you go walking along the road and you see a piece of rubbish on the ground and you pick it up and put it in the bin, nobody normally in the world's going to notice that. Some people may think you're a little bit silly. But God says, this is my planet. I love it. And he says, I saw that. You will be rewarded. Every situation Whatever you're doing, in your job, as a parent, as a sibling, as a student, as a business owner or a street sweeper, it doesn't matter in that sense. We need to be clear that God has prepared a plan for you and I. And in that plan is his purpose and his rewards and the issues that we are setting, not only for here, but for eternity. And in that he promises us that any labor we do, 
is not in vain. Somebody last week had to put the seats out and put them back and clean up the rubbish and do all those sorts of things. And I know people in here did all of that. Your labor was not in vain. Because it's not just through humanity that we gain our, seek our rewards. See, I I often consider my life, and what a wonderful country, it's not perfect, and we can get into all the ins and outs of that. But I often look at my life, and I just say to God, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 16. And I say to God, wow, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. And that's a great thing to state. And it's a great thing to be able to state it. And I'm grateful for it. But here is the question. Is that really the most treasured blessing we should seek after here on this earth? Is that really it? See, what is it that God really wants us to be about? Now, now listen to me because this is clear. And I'm not going to trouble you with it this morning. Not that it would trouble you with giving you a hundred scriptures for all of this. But see, what we are after, it's not good health. It's not money, prosperity, even great family and relationships, which I enjoy immensely. See, all these treasures in life, and they are treasures. They really are. And to whatever degree you have them, they are treasures. But all these treasures in life will not satisfy the deep, longing hunger that everybody has in their soul. What is it that God wants us to lay hold of mostly in this life? The answer is maturity. Growing up in him. Why is it maturity? Because of the greater degree of maturity we attain to in Christ and hold on to, and that's important because remember it can be robbed from us. The greater a degree of maturity, the more of himself God imparts to us and the more of himself and his kingdom he trusts and trusts to us. And that means we take, go deeper and deeper into a loving, useful, fruitful relationship with the Heavenly Father. There is the essence of life right there. And if anybody is here today and you have never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have never entered into the reality of life. You may have done many great and wonderful things, but you have not entered into the reality of life because the only doorway to that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this. Thus says the Lord... Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. And let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts of this. Here it goes. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on all the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. What do we boast in? We boast in the fact that we know God. 
and that he's allowed us to know him and he's taken us into his presence and he's transforming us from one degree of glory to another as we go through this journey of life. God says, boast in that because that is the only thing worth boasting about because all the essence of life is in there. See, not only God does, does God delight in these things, so does your inner being. So does your DNA. So does the spirit of life that lives within you. This is what you and I have been designed for, brothers and sisters. This is it. And this is what our soul longs for. So let's spend a little bit of time looking on what this really means. Coming back to 1 Corinthians 15. Basically, Paul's whole sentiment in this whole chapter is that the hope of the resurrection and the hope of our future glory should stimulate us today to great and self-sacrificing efforts in honor of God who will most graciously reward us at the end of this journey. And see, most people who don't know Jesus are influenced or inspired by great to the great efforts of hope by looking for honor or power or pleasure or money or whatever it is. And as Christians, we are called to be very, very different. See, we're told to prepare for toil and prepare for sacrifice and be sustained by our love for God and the knowledge that we are going to reign for him, with him for eternity. And Paul promises us that this is the hope that is not in vain. Now, if you've done something well and wonderful and somebody congratulates you, you have every right to say, hey, thank you very much, and feel good about it. You have every right to think about, I worked hard to attain this skill and ability. That is fine. But at the end of the day, what we boast in is the fact that God gave us those skills and resources. God even empowered us to get out of bed in the morning and be diligent in what we are pursuing. And God put us in the right place with the right people at the right time to develop those things that people are now rightly patting us on the back for achieving. Do you get it, brothers and sisters? Don't say, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. The Lord could have done it a hundred times better. It was you, but you did it in Christ and he planned the journey. See, we have to understand that the fact that God causes us to work together with him and empowers us and allows us is a great privilege and part of him being a suffering father is watching us do things without the degree of excellence that he could do himself. And all of those of you who are parents have watched it with your kids when they say, let me help. And we think, well, this is going to slow things down. I asked Carl once when he was young to do the vacuuming. So he got the vacuum cleaner out and he came back to me within five minutes and said, I've finished. Now, he was full of, full of energy, but I knew he couldn't have done it that good. And I said, okay, Carl, good job. I may have given him some money. I may not have. I probably didn't. But in the end, he went off, and I stayed back and did the vacuuming properly. 
Do you hear something in about that, about God allowing us to do his work? It's a privilege because he wants us in doing it to get the joy of it and to get to know him as we work with him in our calling in life. Amen? That is a privilege, brothers and sisters. That alone is worth worship. I want to look further at faithfulness. God loves faithfulness. Jesus said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And I've talked about picking up a piece of paper. And you know, Jesus said, thanks for giving me that glass of water. And you say, I never gave you a glass of water. And he said, oh, yes, you did. Whenever you gave a glass of water to somebody who needed it, you gave it to me. I took it personally. And I thank you for it. See, I spend a lot of time talking to people who have been Christians for some time and have worked hard to bring God's glory into so many different situations. And often they are discouraged. Discouragement is a key weapon of the enemy, is to get in and discourage us. Often they are discouraged because they have not seen the fruit they expected to see. Or they felt the results that they've gained or have been gained, have not been equal to the cost or the sacrifice they made. And I can relate this to my own life. For nearly 10, 15 years, we put a huge amount of time, effort, energy and resources into some churches we established in Greece and in Malaysia and in Australia only to have issues that were not related to me, nor were they related to the leaders that I had appointed, only to see them fall over, get attacked and fall over. And I spent two years spending all the resources that I had available to me traveling around those places trying to fix the problem. And in the end, I had to walk away. And I was devastated Part of my heart is still there in those churches and those places. Now, look, there were other churches that I've done the same thing and are still thriving and doing great today. But we put a huge amount of energy into these places. We loved the people and we had fine leaders. And to see them ripped out like that and finally come to the point to say, I've just got to walk away, was devastating. And I was very disillusioned and very discouraged. And over a period of time, God was able to show me that I was looking at everything the wrong way. See, in Jeremiah 17.10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each, to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Now, listen, results are important. They are important. We want to see results. Every one of us does. But God is more interested in our motives and our heart and why are we doing this rather than what it is we actually achieved. 
We need to lock on to that. When we stand before God at the end of our age and when God rewards us, he rewards us on the basis of our heart attitude and why we did what we did rather than seemingly what the fruit of it was. And I really had to see that through the situation because, brothers and sisters, you and I, we're not very good fruit inspectors. We're not very good at it. We don't see what God sees. And one of the worst things we can do, I think, is constantly build our self-esteem around what we consider as the so-called fruit we're producing by our labors. God doesn't work that way with us, praise God. See, our hard attitude is the best indicator of our faithfulness towards God not only for today, but also through what we are going to receive through eternity. And I want to ask you, what measuring stick are you using to measure your labor? I had years of so-called disillusionment in certain ways until I was able to see what God was saying to me in this uh, this whole area. And so these days I'm working really hard to make my love and my passion and my zeal for God and his kingdom my benchmark, not whatever I may or may not achieve as I'm on this journey. See, I don't want to rest on my laurels, whatever they may be. And although I do want to finish well, what is more important to me now is performing well in my heart attitude towards God every day on the journey. Every morning waking up and saying, God, I just want to be available for whatever it may please you to do through me today. And let it rest there. It's hard, but to let it rest there. Push the discouragement away. God had to show me, Bruce, what you did in Greece and Malaysia was done out of a heart for me and my kingdom, that's good enough. Leave the fruit to me. You're not going to be able to assess it anyway, so leave it to me. I want as we come down to the final place of this to look a little bit at Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 is a very interesting chapter. It's the chapter that urges us to push on to maturity and it warns us not to get entangled in the things of life that are of little value. And then in verse 10, it brings this wonderful assurance to us. says this, For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name and having, having ministered and still ministering to the saints. This is for everybody in this room. See, the writer of Hebrews assures us that God does not, has not, and will not overlook your love and good works, ever. The focus here is not only about rewarding us for the things we have done, God rewards us because of our heart attitude towards him, his kingdom, and his people. See, God knows the true reality of our spiritual lives. The Holy Spirit is always working within us, 
urging us on to love and good deeds. And what God rewards is our faithfulness to him that motivates us to be and do the things that he desires. Goes on to say in the verse later in verse 17 that God desires even more than anything we can imagine to show us as heirs of the promise what he has for us. He deeply desires to demonstrate how all his promises are available to us in Christ and that his purpose has never changed. It's always been like this. See, if we align our hearts and our lives and our attitudes and our desire and passion for service, if we line them up with what God is, who God is, what God is doing, He will reveal more and more of himself to each of us. And that's the true reward of life. And it changes the way we view everything. It changes the way we view people around us that may be difficult. My father, I can get pretty prickly at times if somebody jumps on my case. And my father, I was with him at one time and a shopkeeper was extremely rude and I was about to say something and my father, I was a teenager at the time, grabbed me by the arm and pulled me back and we got outside the shop and I said, what did you do that for? And he said, Bruce, you don't know what she was going through in her life. You don't know what her circumstances were. What is it to you that she was grumpy with you? Well, it's taken me a long time to agree with all of that. but I do believe it was the word of the Lord seriously and I didn't know Jesus then and my father didn't either but it's true it's true what is it that somebody was a bit grumpy to you in some of these areas see if we embrace this it changes the way we deal with people it changes the way that uh, we work with people and circumstances, and it changes the way we view our suffering. See, what if we lay hold of this, whatever circumstance we are in, we can create, we can transform, and we can influence the world around us. And hopefully, you're going to hear a lot more about that. See, there's many people in this room, I could say most, but I'll say many, that have been serving God faithfully for so many years or for such a big part of their life, even if you're very young. And you may not have achieved the results that you desired or expected. You may feel a little tired or disillusioned as some of the years of life start to go away from you or even as some opportunities, if someone got promoted instead of you at work or whatever. You may feel that. You may not have gained the respect, acknowledgement or rewards in certain areas of life that you deserved. Seriously. Welcome to the realities of the Christian journey in a fallen world. So many who have gone before you have felt the same thing. Some have been tortured, thrown in prison for a good portion of their lives, burned at the stake, 
Some missionaries spent their whole lives working amongst people in terrible conditions without seeing one person converted. Their whole lives. You see, all these people may be saying their names are written in the world's hall of failure. But all those names are in God's hall of fame. Every one of them. And so are yours. And so is the fact that one day you picked up a piece of rubbish and put it in the bin. Or gave a glass of water to somebody. Or did whatever you do and God said, I saw that. You've got a reward coming. You've got a reward coming. I saw it. You've got a reward coming. Because you are heading to the end of your life if you remain faithful to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, come and receive your reward. I've told you before, many of us think the end of our lives are going to be God lining up to take us down the woodshed and give us a hiding for all the things we failed to do. And I have often said to parents, do you raise your kids up and wait till they're 18 and then give them a really good hiding for all the things they did in the last 18 years? And you say, of course not. Nor does God. He does his judgment on the day. Today. And tomorrow should we need it and whenever. So that when we finally stand before him at the end of the age, all the things we have repented for, all the things we have asked his forgiveness for, they're off the sheet. He's not looking at them and he's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw your heart and all the things that you did. Come and receive your reward. This is what a loving father does. We need to keep our hope, I'm finishing. We need to keep our hope fully alive to the very end. Having such hope will mean we will not be overwhelmed or become disillusioned and sluggish. And God has given us everything, granted to us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. It's in him, it's in his word, it's in the Holy Spirit. But brothers and sisters, too many people are all missing the fact that it's also in community. Get here and be part of it. And help me as I get discouraged. And I'll try and help you as you do. We can't do it on our own. We're called together as God's people. That's one of the reasons why we gather together here and worship. Just one of the reasons, but it's an important one. And there's too many people who love Jesus that are not here and they are getting taken further and further away from the pathway that God would have them walk down because part of the reason to keep us on that pathway, part of the method of God keeping on that pathway is one another. We need to be imitators of those who have gone before us who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. Our reward is laid up for us, brothers and sisters. We may not get it on this life. Many didn't and don't. But it is laid up for us. The basis of Christian hope is not wishful thinking about the future, but embracing the solemn 
promises of God, standing steadfast and immovable before him, surrounded by brothers and sisters who are standing together and watching over one another, caring for one another, and believing that God is in control and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Amen. What a wonderful blessing that has got to be. Father, we pray. Teach us to number our days so we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Help us to maintain our diligence so that we may maintain the full assurance of hope until the end, whatever that may be, or whenever that may be. Teach us where the good way is, Lord, so that we may walk in it and find rest for our souls. Only you can do this, and we ask you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.